Um, if you would, open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to get into God's Word. We will. I'll have a little bit shortened sermon today. We're going uh, to partake of the Lord's Supper today. I'm excited about that. We've uh, not been able to do this like we wanted to for a while because of the COVID stuff, but uh, we're sick of that. Uh, so we're going to do Lord's Supper today. Um, I know you're sick of it too. Uh, but uh, that's not to negate how serious COVID can be, that's for sure. Um, but what I think that we are kind of over is living in fear. And um, I, I think a lot of people's getting to where they uh, just don't want to live in fear anymore. And with the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't have to live in fear, um, even though it can be a tragedy uh, when someone gets COVID. I, I know personally I've had friends who have had it, and it's been... It's been um, a really, uh, really tough battle uh, for them, and uh, we want to continue to lift them up as we continue on and pursue Christ and to live life and try to um, try to get back to as normal as we possibly can. I guess I'm not sure what normal even is anymore, but if nothing else, that our normal walk should be pursuing after the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how dangerous it gets. And so let's pray that we would be able to do that. And along those lines, um, we need to pray for uh, one of our brothers, Kevin Bugs. Uh, Amanda uh, Bugs is, is, is his wife, and um, he's battling right now uh, with oxygen levels and uh, trying to stay off of the ventilator. And let's lift Brother Kevin up if we can as a church. If we all stand to our feet and um uh, just uh, pray with me as i pray uh for kevin and for amanda to know how to minister and and to love him and let's pray that he does not go on the ventilator and that the lord will bring him out of this quickly that he could give all praise honor and glory to the lord jesus christ pray with me lord jesus we just lift up our brother kevin to you right now god and we ask that you would watch over him that you would bring him out of this um sickness that you would bring him uh, to a place where he has uh, perfect oxygen levels, that he would not have to go on the ventilator, that he would not uh, get to that stage. I pray that you would be with Amanda and, and that you would minister to her to, to help her know how to minister to him and to love him. And I pray, God, that you would give her strength in these times and that the peace that surpasses all understanding would wash over her, the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Also, let's pray for some of our brothers and sisters who are struggling with different types of sicknesses. Maybe it's addiction to substances, addiction to different pleasures, worldly pleasures. Um, and let's ask God to, to be with them. And let's also pray that the Lord would not just save us from the bad, but push us to the good. Yeah. Amen. We can get so caught up in the things that we need to stop doing that we forget that there are things that we are to be doing. And um, we talk about this from time to time, that it's hard for us to minister to the positive when we're stuck dealing with the negative. And sometimes it's things that come on us that we can't really help, like a sickness or something like that. But oftentimes it's self-inflicted wounds that we're trying to heal from, and we can't go out and do battle on the front end because we are bandaging up ourselves from self-inflicted wounds on the back end. Does that make sense? And so let's pray that God would set us free, that we might run the race with endurance uh, and look to the 
author and perfecter, the pioneer of our faith, Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray for that, and I'm going to pray for the sermon, and uh, we're going to get into 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let's pray once again. Lord Jesus, we ask again that you would magnify and glorify yourself this morning. Set us free from the things that hinder God. i got my own issues that I'm battling with. Every person in this room right now has their own issues that they're battling with. Lord, whether it be thoughts or actions or inaction, sins of omission and sins of commission, God, we just pray that we'd be set free from all of these things and that you would help us to run the race with endurance. God, we just want to glorify you and uh, we want to stop worrying about all of this silliness and start focusing on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to the glory of your wonderful name. Be in this sermon today uh, that it might not be me, but that, that it would be you and that your, uh, that your son would be high and lifted up and i know then that he'll draw all men to to himself we pray all in christ's name amen well what a wonderful word we had this morning from uh, these uh youth and uh from some of the leaders and i want to kind of echo uh what they had said and what uh sister denise had said about being able to defend the faith um i have this word on my heart and i and i guess this has just kind of been my anthem throughout my ministry is what Lord has laid on my heart and what I have sought for years and years to be about and, and to do, and that is to lead people, but especially young men, oh, okay, thanks. It was good because I have such a bad memory that I was re being reminded what I just said <laughs> within two seconds of having said it. <laughs> this is actually probably a need of mine. But, I, but it's been one of my lifelong goals and something that the Lord has placed in my heart to help young men who are actually young boys grow up to be actual men, biblical men, Christian men, and when I say young boys, I don't mean young, young in age necessarily, I just mean stupid kids, right? And you could be a 40-year-old stupid kid, you know, and not have grown up, not be mature, be immature, and uh, really need to grow up, really need to become mature. But that message is not just for stupid young kids, uh, guys who need to grow up. But it's really for each and every person that exists who is not mature in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Until we grow up in the Lord who is the way, the truth, and the life, we are just wandering around aimlessly living for ourselves, which is by definition what it means to be a young, stupid kid who is self-absorbed and thinks the whole world revolves around them, right? And you know, that might even be cute for a little while. It might even be cute for a little while. I've got a little four-year-old girl, and she will just be Miss Sass, and she will get, she will want her way, and she will do this, and and is disrespectful, manipulative, and self-absorbed as she is. When she does that little thing, I just have to just chuckle. <laughs> like I should spank her. Like she, you know, people will be out, and she'll be doing this whole thing, and she'll be giving me the lip, and people will be laughing. I'm like, don't laugh. She needs a spanking. <laughs> But she, it's cute, right? It's cute. But past a certain point, it's not cute anymore. Like, if you're 28, living in your mom's basement, you still got this thing going on, that's not cute. It is pathetic. Amen? 
You have got to grow up. We have this extended adolescence in America now, in the Western culture, and I guess it's probably taken over the whole world. But it's almost like it's necessary for you young people to go through this extended adolescence now so you can find yourself. No. No, you're a wandering, you're a drifting tumbleweed blowing around, and somebody is going to consume you. You're going to get eaten alive. So today I want to talk about defending the faith. I want to talk about growing up. And this can apply. The text is explicit of, uh, uh, pointing toward men. But this can apply in many different ways to men and women, boys and girls, those of any um, gender, any ethnicity, any uh, socioeconomic status that you have in life. Really, it's about growing up and taking responsibility and, and becoming who Christ, who God has called you and created you to be. And I want to give you a few practical tips as we move in that direction to, uh, on how to be what God and who God has called you to be. Sound okay? All right? So let's look at the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'm going to start in verse 5, and I'll read down through uh, verse 14, and then we're going to move around the Bible a little bit, and we'll unpack that a little bit. We're going to have a focus on verse 13, though. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 5. Paul says to the Corinthian church, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many uh, adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord, as I am. Let no one, so let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Here's the verse. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Let me say those two last verses again. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now just... I didn't, I, I, you know, I had something else planned and the Lord laid this on my heart, so I don't have an outline for you. I don't have a bunch of notes, just some things that the Lord laid on my heart. Is that all right? The first thing that jumps out to me, now this is just as practical as you can possibly be, is that Paul believes there's a, there's a distinction between men and women, okay? Now, I don't mean to state the obvious, but in our culture, it's necessary. Paul says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong. Now, some of you ladies out there, you may get this little tizzy going on. Because it, it, you should say, is he suggesting that us females are not strong? No, I don't think that's the contrast that he's drawing right here. In context, what's the contrast that he's drawing between strong men and 
Weak boys, let's don't give them the benefit of calling them men. He's drawing the contrast here between strong, godly men who are firm in the faith and weak little child boys that are knocked around, tossed around, and blown around by every wind of doctrine and so on and so forth. So there is a distinction being drawn here that there is a type of man that is stronger than other weaker types of so-called men. Can we acknowledge that? There is a strong man, which necessarily implies that he's speaking also to weaker men, that you weaker men need to change. Now, in our culture, we need to sympathize with everyone, and we need to be loving and accepting, and don't judge the weaker man. He's just weaker man. Now... I would say, be careful how you judge, but I've already preached many times on my feelings about judging and what I believe the Bible clearly teaches about judging. Everybody wants to say, thou shalt not judge. Whoa. The Bible does not say, do not judge. The Bible says, be careful how you judge. Now, I will say that we don't have any part in judging outsiders, for they have not submitted themselves to the same standards as us. We shouldn't look at outsiders, people who are not Christians, and say, I'm judging you because, well, they've never claimed to be believers. They've never claimed to submit themselves to the, to the Bible or the authority of the Lord or the authority of the Scriptures. So they're not to be held accountable by the same Scripture. Now, does that mean they're not judged? No, it just means that we don't have to judge them because they're judged already. Why? Because they have not believed in the one whom God sent, his only son, and therefore they stand in judgment already. There's no need to judge the world. The world's going to world. You understand what I'm saying? You know, the world's going to world. They're going to do what they're going to do. We are called uh, in, to proceed in relationship with the world, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, longing and looking for them to be set free from the enemy that has blinded their eyes so that they might see the truth and come into the family of God and then be subject to the scripture. And then we operate in this idea where we judge one another or sharpen one another or rebuke one another. Now, the way that we judge is to be a biblical way that we judge according to the righteous intent of the scriptures and we judge with loving motives when we judge it is not to beat down to uh to punish to uh show them to be horrible or or evil but it is that they may be restored that they may be rebuked and they may be shown where they are lacking so that they won't be lacking anymore it is an upbuilding loving pursuit after that person's soul that they might be who God has called them to be you see this is the type of jugging so Jesus says um be careful how you judge each other. Don't go trying to, to take the splinter out of your brother's eye when you got a log hanging out of yours, right? Now, he doesn't say, he doesn't just say, don't judge. What does he say? He says, first, remove the log out of your eye so that you can see rightly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Couple of lessons there, but we won't spend too much more time there. The point is, is that we need to be 
uh, looking at one another's lives in a way that we are trying to build one another up, see pitfalls, see shortcomings, see weaknesses, and in love, go and say, listen, there's a way that you could be better for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not pointing this out because you need to be more like me. I'm pointing this out because I love you and I see how you could be more like him. Do you see anything in me? You see, uh, an aware brother, a mature brother or sister, longs for his brothers and sisters to judge him and to sharpen him and to rebuke him when necessary. Only the arrogant, prideful, selfish person says, I've got my stuff so together that you have no uh, means by which you can rebuke me and to correct me. Do you understand the level of perfection that you are, you are submitting, that you are that you are suggesting that you have when you says, only God can judge me. Do you know the only person that can actually say only God can judge me? Unbelievers. Unbelievers actually can say only God can judge me because only God's already judged them. The believer can't say that. They have to submit themselves to one another for judging and rebuke and for examination. That's what we want. As iron sharpens iron. Well, let's move on. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Now, I want to point out one thing here. Listen to what he says going back in verse 12. He says, now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit with you, uh, to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. So, Paul says, Apollos, hey, won't you stop by the church at Corinth there? I, they would love to, to benefit from your teaching. You're a strong guy. You're a mature guy. Will you go by and will you minister to them? Will you be with them? Will you show them? Will you lead them? And we know Apollos was a pretty strong guy. We see that in other texts in Scripture. We know that um, he, was, he was really um, powerful in the faith, right? And he had come a long way. He had learned a lot. And Paul's asking him to go, but it wasn't Apollos' call. Apollos didn't feel like he was called to go. And so he said, well, not right now, Paul. I'm not ready to go. And so him and Paul said, okay, well, that's fine. Maybe you can go another time. But then comes right off the heels of this. He says, he will come when he has the opportunity, verse 13, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. And when I read that, I go, okay, I, see, I think I see what's going on here, that Paul is looking to to send this strong defender of the faith, this strong gospel teacher, this, this strong disciple. He's looking to send Apollos, and Apollos can't go. Apollos is, is not feeling called to go, or for whatever reason, Apollos isn't going. And so Paul says, Paul says, Apollos isn't coming right now, so some of you have to step up and be that man of God. Some of you have to step up and be the strong man of God, the strong defender of the faith. You are the ones that need to be watchful. You are the ones that need to stand firm in your faith. How many in this room right now are not where God is calling you and wanting you to be because you have leaders that you keep looking to? And, and I'm not saying it's bad to look to leaders. Don't get me wrong. But you are so, you are so, lazy you are so needy don't let me hit you too hard you are you are you are so given to that leader that you can't step up and be a leader yourself are we are we so and and listen i'm i'm all about being 
you know, coming alongside, you know, Hebrews chapter 13 says, obey, you know, your leaders to submit to them, to make their job easier. Praise God for that. But some of us, some of us are so dependent on the people in front of us that we cannot see God's calling us to be out front in many areas in our life. I'll give you one small example. I wonder how many people in this room and in churches all over the world right now believe that it's not necessary for them to do deep scriptural study of the Word of God themselves because they have a pastor who preaches and teaches the Word of God. How many people think, well, it's, it's really not my job to preach the gospel. That's my preacher's job. It's really not my job to defend the faith because, well, you know, my preacher, he, he defends the faith fairly well, and, and I don't really know how to do that, you know. That's really more his job, you know. I just, I just go to church. And, and, Paul, and Paul is saying, look, Apollos ain't going to be able to come right now, so you need to be careful to be watchful, that you need to stand firm in the faith, that you need to act like men. Man, you know, some of the best things that can, and this is sad right here. I've told you this before, really speaking of another topic, but I see this all the time. And if this is you, I've not read any Facebook posts lately that say this. So if this hits you between the eyes, that's between you and the Holy Spirit, not me. Those of you who put online and you put on Facebook, my children are my world. My wife is my life. I know that rhymes. But when you elevate your wife and your children to the position that they are the most meaningful thing in your life, you have set them up as an idol. And you know what God often is in Scripture and is by nature? An idol slayer. He's a jealous God. He demands to be the primary person in your life. So if God is an idol slayer and we set our children on the throne of our hearts as idols, what are we setting them up for? And why am I saying this right now in this particular context? Because when we, when we are so lazy and so soft and so weak that we place all of these things up here in front of us and we don't make Christ number one and we don't make God number one then we set those things up to be attacked by God you see God is calling you to stand up he's calling you to be watchful he's calling you to stand firm in the faith he's calling you to to act like men to be mature he's calling you to do these things and listen I, I'm I'm all for gathering brothers and sisters around you to help you and 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 draw you in and iron sharpen iron that's great but we need not lose the 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 passion and the longing and the understanding that God has called us to be warriors and ambassadors of the king. Does this make sense? He says, so let no one, uh, he says, oh, he will come when he has an opportunity. In the meantime, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all you do be done 
with love. Now, I'm going to go somewhere else right after this, but I wanted to say this last thing right here because oftentimes I think, oftentimes I think that this can get lost in there. Is that so when we, when we preach and teach on men growing up and being men, and I think by implication that women need to grow up and be women too, women of God, right? And that you need to be all that God has called you to be. Well, when we preach on, on you know, immature boys becoming men of God, then what can happen oftentimes is we can kind of get this idea that what I mean is that you're just tough and rugged and raw, yeah. You know, and it's this, this is the Western idea of a man, right? And this, that's not all bad, right? You, you heard this, well, the, the West believes it's all bad. You know, the left believes that's all bad, right? They call it what? Toxic masculinity, right? And they're trying to make men into women. But, well, because this, this, this type of masculinity can go too far, Right? If you believe the sum total of a man is how loud you can burp and how stinky you can uh, pass gas, then we've got problems. You know? I've got a tattoo and a beard. I'm a man's man. Right? Well, I saw, hey, this is, see, this is where that quote came in. I saw this uh, picture of a Muslim. My wife is texting me from the game. She's like, you are, no, I'm just kidding. You're going too far. Um. There was a quote from an Islamic pastor. Now, I don't normally quote Islamic pastors, right? But my brother here, will, you'll, you'll appreciate this, my bearded brother here. He's got the beard of beards. Every, every other man in here with a beard, there's your dad. <laughs> sorry, I, this, I think this is your first time. Is this your first time? And you just got third time? I'm sorry, I just ruined that. <laughs> now I'm really in a hole. My bad, brother. How did I miss the beard two other times? I don't understand. Well, anyway, I love you. I'm glad you came back. I hope you come back after this. There's, a, there, there's this Islamic quote. There's, okay, there's this Islamic pastor. I wouldn't normally quote an Islamic pastor, but I thought this is actually um, a, a fairly relevant to what I'm saying. It's this Islamic pastor, and he has this big, nice beard. Not quite as nice as my brother's, but this big, nice beard. And he's, he's this, this quote says something to this effect. I'll paraphrase it. He says that our, our brothers and followers, men without beards, are always and continually in sin. For they cause other men to stumble with lustful thoughts since they look like women. <laughs> now, <laughs> I don't know about that. And I hope I got enough that none of you men are getting any ideas. Okay? Don't come at me like that, dog, you know? But I would say, where have we gotten our definition of masculinity? When the sum total of a man is how much hair he has on his face or how bad he smells when certain bodily functions happen or how loud he can burp or whatever else it might be, right? Well, I think that what has happened here is that there are certain markers of a man. You know, not saying that ladies don't break wind from time to time. But generally speaking, and historically, this has been a man's duty, right? And we have gained these social markers of what it is. And what has happened is, since the left, absolutely, when I say the left, this cancel culture, liberal, you know, this subjective mindset of, well, we can just all be right, and there's no distinctions or differences in identity, politics, and all this kind of stuff. You know, I despise it all. Just lump them all in together. I don't care. 
is this idea that, well, since there's differences between men and women, what we, knew, what we need to do is disqualify and diminish and discard every difference between men and women. And we, in order to do that, you see what's necessarily true. We need to turn women into men and men into women, which is weird because then you would just be flip-flopping. So you get this weird thing right down the, mi- right down the middle that's like a woman. You spell that L-G-B-T-Q-S-Y-Z-X and something else, right? A mumman. That's what I'm saying from here on out. It's a mumman, right? It's no difference between a woman and a man or a man and a woman. It's a mumman. And what's happening is, is that you completely destroy femininity. I don't understand why the feminists haven't risen. Now, some have. But this whole idea of transgender, all this kind of stuff, you think that toxic masculinity is against femininity and feminism? You ain't seen nothing yet. You just don't understand that this whole idea of transgender, no gender, LGBT, whatever, is absolutely not just destroying masculinity. When you start turning men into women, you absolutely necessarily destroy femininity. There is no woman left. And you can see it. Now, I ain't gonna, I'm not getting into that whole political realm, but here's what I want to say right here. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Here's why I just said all of that. Listen, I want you guys to be tough. The men under my care, okay, let me address the men for a minute, okay? I want you guys to be studs. I really do. I want you to be a man's man. I want you to be, I like, uh, Julie, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I, I love the fact that you call Phil studly. <laughs> this is wonderful. Like, will you please disciple my wife? Because I long to have the nickname studly. Like, this is my dream, right? I'm going to get a tattoo so that my wife looks at me. She'll have to read studly. If no other way, in her mind. I know you read it. I know you read it. This is wonderful. I want all the dudes under my care, under my teaching, brothers that have come and, and we sharpen each other's iron, sharpens iron, I want you to be dudes, right? I want you to be men. I want you to be men's, a man's man, right? But what we need to be careful of is that we don't lose what it means to actually be a man. In all of this Western idea of shoot 'em up gunslinger Westerns. I like that. That's fine. I want to be a dude's dude. You need to hunt and fish and spit. But you ain't got to, right? Because what's an actual man's man defined as? Here it is. Someone who is watchful. I was, I was, I was thinking I'd have a lot more time, but Watch, watch what a man is. I think the definition is fairly well hammered out here. Someone who is watchful. What does that tell me? What's a watchful man? I kind of think a couple of things. A watchful man is one who examines. He's, he's observant. He's watching. He's watching. He's watching for possibly the enemy coming. Ready to do what needs to be done. He is watching uh, for opportunities, possibly, that he can provide for his family. Now, don't let me get out of context here. I think 
Paul is, is considering here that you would be watchful of enemies coming. But I think if you're a watchful man, what would you, you would watch for opportunities. You'd watch for ways that you can minister to your family. You would watch for ways that you could build up the gospel and that you could pour Christ in. You're watchful. Secondly, he stands firm in the faith, that you don't compromise but that you stand firm in the faith. You see, this is, this is throughout the scriptures what we understand as being a man's man is that you are watchful and that you are firm in your faith, that you are solid, built up in the Lord Jesus Christ, rooted in the love of Christ, right? That you can't be moved from one way to the other way. You can't be knocked around. You can't be blown around. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 says is that we are to be rooted in God, that we are to be built up, mature in our faith, not easily blown around and tossed around around by every little thought that comes but you know who you are in Christ and what do you need to be able to do what do you need to have what do you need to be equipped in what do you need to be able to utilize in order to be this type of watchful firm steadfast man the word of God man ain't no man ain't got no word of God he ain't man ain't no man ain't got no Bible and an and a awareness and an understanding of that Bible. And don't give me none of this baloney about, well, I just don't read good. Well, at one point you didn't fish good, you didn't hunt good, you didn't work with your hands good, you didn't do anything good, right? You had to learn it. Somebody that's not well-versed in the Scripture, all it tells me is, is that you don't have a love for it. Because whatever you have a love for, you're going to figure out. I promise you that. Whatever you got a love for. And if you say, well, how do I just develop a love for something? You pursue after it. You find out about it. You see, the more, the more you got to know your wife, the more you fell in love with her. Well, some of you. <laughs> you got to pursue after it. You got to pray. You know who the changer of desires is? You don't, have, you don't have much of a desire for God's word? Pray. God will grant to you these things. So you need to be able to stand firm in your faith. It says, act like men, which... You shouldn't act like children. Men shouldn't act like women, and women shouldn't act like men. That you should act like what God has called you to be, right? One more kind of political world thing to address. I just want to say this. We shouldn't just be upset and mad and frustrated at the world who's trying to kill trans to kill the difference between men and women. I think it should aggravate us, and I think it should frustrate us. But, you know, I think one thing that we're missing is is that it should break our hearts. It should break our heart. Why? Why should it do more than just frustrate us? Because they are trying to destroy God's created order, right? So that's, that frustrates us, right? And I think there's a, there's a righteous indignation. I think there's a righteous anger there that, that we need to stand up for God, that we need to stand up for the Scripture, and God use us to do that. I think that's good. That's fine. But it should also break our hearts, that we should, that we should be saddened, that we should... Why? Because, I mean, quite obviously, I can't understand... I can't understand how they can't see it and sometimes we miss it and we don't grant it is that do you know how uncomfortable you would have to be in your own skin to want to to want to stop being a man and start being a woman how much you would have to hate yourself to cut parts of your body off to completely for a young woman who's eight 
9, 10, 11, 12 years old to take pills that would completely ruin her God-given body for the rest of her entire life. Do you know how completely horrible she must feel about herself? Our hearts should break for these children for these adults who were so lost and so swallowed up by the enemy that they are convinced that they are unworthy to be who God has created them to be. Maybe the next time we encounter this, you should really check how you address this. Maybe instead of coming down with your King James hammer, we would preach the enlightened gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that says you are beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And it, it is God who will give you all the dignity and worth. You know what that's called? It's redemption. And Christ is the redeemer. And even those of you who think, well, I don't have a problem being a woman. I don't have a problem being a man. You know how many things you have about yourself that you just hate just think about it for a second now some of it is worthy of hate because it's sin and we need to rid ourselves of that but some things simply need to be redeemed because they are how God has made you to be and that they just need to be redeemed in the Lord Jesus Christ well as we close it down and as we do the Lord's Supper this is what this is what I want to do so Here's bringing this back around. Let all that you do be done in love. So not to get lost in this idea that a man's man is just a tough dude, right? But that the greatest man who's ever walked the face of the earth was the God man. And the, the, the manliest man among us, the dude of all dudes, was not only the most valiant warrior that ever stepped on a battlefield, but he was the greatest lover who ever stroked the face of his bride. You think you're a dude, and then you go home, and you're harsh with your wife. You're no man. You're a bully. You think you're a dude because you're very weak, but you're tender with your wife. You're just a snowflake. The, the man's man is both a valiant warrior and will die on the battlefield to protect his bride. And he's also the greatest lover that you could imagine. Now, who is this great man? Who is this quintessential man? You see, Paul said, and Paul's the one that wrote this letter. He was the one that said, act like men. I want to show you this. I think all of this is summed up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul, who was, I believe, a pretty doodly dude, right? He says this. He says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ. And him crucified. You see some of you dudes out there. Some of you guys out there. You may be on one spectrum or the other. You may be on the softer snowflake side. You know and you're like. You know, I, don't, I don't know how to do that dudeless. I don't know you know. Some of you may be on the other side. You're like I don't really know how to love. And I don't. 
You know, these romantic. What do we do, right? What do we do? Some of you would feel, hey, if you're not secure enough to be vulnerable with your wife, then you're not secure. We, we lose that. We need to get that back. Like, if you're not secure enough in your masculinity to be vulnerable with your wife and to be open with your wife and, and, to, and to meet her in that place, then you're not really a man's man yet. And that's okay. We all, we all have places we can grow, right? If you're, not, if you're not man enough, if you're not a dude's dude, and, you're, and you, you know, let your wife be taken advantage of in whatever way, and you won't stand up, and you won't speak on her behalf or speak on your children's behalf. And sometimes that, sometimes that means that you have to guard them from each other, your wife and your children. Sometimes it means that you have to guard her from the world that's coming at her. Sometimes it means you have to guard her from her workplace or from her bosses or whatever it might be, from false ideas that are being preached to her and proclaimed to her and sold to her by the culture, right? Your wife is... She's looking to you for leadership. Well, how do we get to that place? Well, we need to look to Christ, who is our example. Psalm 119, I'll just, this is what came to my mind earlier. It says, how can a young, 119, starting in verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Men, listen, and, and women too, to be the woman of God that you need to be, we need to be pursuing and seeking after the Lord Jesus Christ with all that we have. We need to be studying the word of God to show ourselves a workman approved, right? We need to be understanding who Christ is and who Christ is calling us to be. And as we come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and as we pursue and enter into Him and we develop fellowship and relationship with Him, the Holy Spirit starts to transform us. He starts to, to mold us and to conform us to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you'll find is, is that, and you ask your wife, you ask your wife, you say, honey, I want to do this. I heard what the preacher was saying today, and I know that I struggle in this area or I struggle in that area, but I want to be more like Jesus Christ. Think of Jesus. Jesus is the one who we look to. Jesus is not only the one who we look to for our example, but for our victory. For Jesus Christ is the one who doesn't just provide a, a, an example for us to look at and say, oh, that's what I want to be, but he provides the way in which we become that that we need to be. That Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection secures for us salvation. And salvation doesn't just include justification and being okay with God so that you don't have to go to hell and be there for eternity, for the rest of eternity. But that you can be with God in eternity future in the heavens. But not only that, but that Jesus Christ makes us alive right now through the power of his resurrection power the Holy Spirit the same spirit that gave life to his mortal body is the one that raises us up and you can be like Jesus who was willing to die for his bride who was willing to give his life he never wavered he never he never uh, compromised on the word of God he never compromised in his life he never he had zero sin 
yet he was willing to go onto the chopping block for his bride. And you know how? Not even answering a word. Though they made a, ca a case against him, he did not open his mouth. He, he went willingly. And you know, he could have stopped. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down, I pick it up again. Nobody. You only have any power over me because my Father in heaven, he heaven has granted it to you for a little while. I'm the one that does this. He's the greatest warrior that has ever walked. He's the baddest man that's ever walked the face of the earth. And he's the most gentle, loving, savior, lover of his bride that you could possibly imagine. Men, that's what we need to be. Man, that's what I need to be. Pray for me because I fall short. But I know that Jesus Christ is the one who makes that complete and who is the opportunity and the way that we come into that type of manhood. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to, uh, we'll have a time of response, and uh, Hambone will come up. Oh, we want to just do that. Hambone, where'd you go? Okay. We're going to have a time of response, and then don't go anywhere right after that. We are just a hair uh, after 12, so we're going to have a time of response because some of you might just need to do business with God right now, and I wouldn't want to keep you from that. If you're in that place and you're just not the type of man that you need to be, or you're in that place and you're not the type of woman that you need to be, give that to God. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. He gives you the worth. He gives you the value. He gives you the power to become who God has called you to be. So respond to God, and then we're going to do the Lord's Supper. Come and respond to God.